the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, in this evening, this evening as we are in your presence, truly present among us, the most blessed sacrament, we can meditate upon and contemplate this beautiful figure of um, your dad, your dad here on earth, St. Joseph, who we invoke at the beginning of our time of prayer, St. Joseph, our our Father and Lord, uh, and how... St. Joseph, whose feast day we celebrate tomorrow, is a, is a model for us of, of holiness, a model of contemplation, um, a model of action. He's such a, a loving dad. And as, as he is your father in, in all things legal um, and related to the law, uh, in, in, in the growing up in, in Nazareth, in your hidden life, so he could be the father of, of us, in a way, um, teaching us how to grow in holiness and can really be a great model for us. Um, now, it's hard in the gospel to meditate uh, on, on St. Joseph in a, in a deep way only because um, St. Joseph, is, he, do, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> Uh, there's not a single recorded word. He's a silent, he's a silent saint who, who went about everything he did in very, um, very much um, silently, quietly, right? In the background. He, he kind of, he, he blends into the rest of the picture. He has, tre- he has a tremendous role, but he, he very much blends in. And for those who are called to live holiness in the middle of the world, this is very much a model, Right to to live this type of silent contemplation that's probably not going to be recognized on any world stage. Um, Joseph, there is he's, he's faithful, he's silent, um, and that he is very much like what we can be, and that as we are faithful in our our mission as Christians, and as we are. Doing things out of love for you, real contemplatives in the middle of the world, um, we too are, are often silent, that this is quiet. It goes very much unnoticed. Joseph teaches us so many things, but when we consider the greatness of St. Joseph, um, he's the patron of the, of the universal church, right? Um, he, he's the husband of Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, immaculately conceived, right? Um, our mom. He's our mom's husband, right? He, um, he's the father of the Holy Family, and he, he had real authority. Uh, when we hear in the Gospels that Jesus was obedient to, to them, to, to Mary and to Joseph, um, he obeyed. God himself obeyed St. Joseph, and, and not in this fake obedience, like in a real filial obedience. God himself obeyed St. Joseph. Joseph is, is given a tremendous, a tremendous responsibility. He is to be 
the foster father of our Lord, the earthly father, um, he is to, to have this role in the Holy Family. And, and Joseph is, is tremendously, um, he goes about it with, with great humility, right? When, when Our Lady tells him. Now notice, um, you know, Joseph wasn't asked permission. The angel appeared to Mary and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you, right? Um, and she says, Fiat, let it be, right? And all this happens without Joseph's involvement in any way. He's not asked permission. He was planning on marrying this woman that he loved. And God has bigger plans for, for her and doesn't ask Joseph's permission. And many times with things in our life, God doesn't ask our permission, right? Circumstances change something. And never in such a magnitude as happened in the life of St. Joseph, but even in little ways. When it's like, there's something else going on. God has a different plan. Didn't ask my permission for this. Okay. He doesn't need to. I want to be the type of person God doesn't need to ask my permission. I'm on board. Whatever it is. Whatever it's going to be. God doesn't need to. He definitely doesn't need to. We know that. But I, do we live that way? Do we really live with that, with that fidelity? Like God doesn't need to ask my permission for things. Um, I'm on board. Because I love him. And he loves me. But Joseph has this this huge task that's given to him. And, and he does it. Um, and he does it with real, real fidelity uh, and action. Joseph is a man of action, right? There, it's interesting because when, if you read it in Greek, it, it comes across very, um, you know, Joseph um, finds out that his, his fiance is pregnant um, that God has this other plan. I'm sure that Mary would have at some point told him uh, after, like, this is what happened. And obviously he knows Mary. He loves her. Uh, he's got to believe her. And so there's this other plan. And that's where we hear that her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to, to divorce her quietly, right? He was going to keep the whole thing. God has a different plan. That's okay. I'm willing to step aside. But then the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. Um, for that which is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son in you, Joseph. You are going to call his name Jesus, right? You're going to name him. He's going to be God. And you're going to name him. He will save his people from their sins. And then we hear, and it's immediate, right? When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. He did not know her until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. Once God's plan is manifest, Joseph is a man of action. He, he gets right to work, right? He's a worker. Um, and that same characteristic of being just a, a man of action, a man of work, applies to divine things, right? This is God's plan. Okay, we're going to do this now. This is, the, this is the plan, right? And then even it happens with the Magi um, after, they, after they leave. When they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, right? Go to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. Just, I'll tell you when you can come home, right? Go, you're going to go to Egypt. It's your foreign country. You're, gonna, you're in exile. You're a refugee. And just stay there until I tell you. 
Um, not like, here's the plan, you're going to go there, you're going to be there for a couple weeks or a couple months, maybe a year or two, but don't worry, here's the day you can come back. Many of us, you know, it was, um, it was just over a year ago that, that all of our masses shut down, right? I'm pretty sure um, March 16th of 2020 was the, was the last day that we had public mass uh, for a couple you know, months there. And when that all happened, it was, this is what we're doing until I tell you, right? At first, it's just two weeks, just two weeks to stop the spread. Now it's, you know, two years and whatever. But it's, uh, and things still aren't 100% normal, but like, okay, you're just gonna do this until I tell you. And many of us had to learn the hard way and many of us were probably not that good at it of just like, just do this until I tell you to stop. Um, and Joseph does it. He gets up, he rose. He took the child and his mother at night, departed for Egypt, remained there until the death of Herod, right? He's a man of action. I know a priest who was a very, very good parish priest. Now, people think working in the Vatican is like prestigious. Like, oh, you get to work in the Vatican. How great. Like the Vatican is just a really big office. And when you go from having, like for the Pope, it's pretty cool, right? Although he's got a lot of responsibility. We need to pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis. Um, But, you know, it it could seem cool. You go to the masses, it's beautiful. You're there at the tomb of St. Peter. But for the most of the people that work in the Vatican, it's an office job. It's a desk job, right? You probably don't even get your own office. It's it's a shared, you got shared offices, cubicles, right? And it's like, oh, you're going to work in the, you go from like being a parish priest and doing all the stuff parish priests do to working in an office in a different language and being away from your friends and your family back home and being away from a parish ministry. And I remember this, this very holy priest that um, worked in the Vatican and he did a tremendous job. He was very good at it, but he was a parish priest and he wanted to get back to a parish and he had a little sign in his room and it just said, go to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, right? Stay there until I tell you. And that that's what it, his, his responsibility was. He was doing a service in the universal church, something that was very necessary. But just stay there until I tell you. You don't know when you're going to come home. And we need that type of docility. Um, and so he does. Joseph is a, a man of action. And in all of this, God prepared him for this major mission, right? There's a principle in theology called proportioned holiness or proportioned grace, Right? This comes from Edward Lean in his book, The Likeness of Christ. When God directly assigns a definite mission to a creature, especially a mission having to do, having a close and intimate relationship with the incarnation, he owes it to himself to impart to that creature a measure of grace proportioned to the importance of the role to be fulfilled, right? That God gives grace proportionate to the role that's to be fulfilled. And so the bigger your role is, God is giving you sufficient grace. And when you have a, I mean, look, our lady was to be the mother of God and the, the Ark of the Covenant, and you have the Immaculate Conception, right? And so when, when God gives Joseph this role, he, he's already given him the grace to fulfill it, right? Joseph has this, this huge role in the universal church, in the church, in the life of of God. Father Lean goes on, Joseph was chosen by God the Father to take his own place in regard to his divine son, 
during the early years of that son's sojourn on earth. Having, therefore, to exercise the function of father with regard to Jesus, he was endowed by God, with whom all things are real, with a father's tenderness and love for him, who was confided to him as his child. Right? Joseph, Jesus really was a child of Joseph, not physically, um, but in, in all reality of, of relationship. Joseph was to Jesus the earthly Abba, right? Jesus growing up would have called Joseph Abba. And as the son, he calls the father Abba. And so think about that. Like you are the earthly Abba to the son of God. And what a, what a tremendous role that is. And God gave this carpenter from, from backwater Nazareth this tremendous honor, right? He was, in all things relating to earthly parenting, the father of the son. And, and he gave him, um, and he endowed him with a father's tenderness and love. For him who was confiled to him, like, Joseph loved Jesus. Just like think about that. And Lord, in your presences, we think about like the way that St. Joseph loved you as his own child, right? Again, not physically, but as his own child. He gave you your name. He named you. He was there at your birth. He took care of you as a baby. He did all these things. He loved you in that way. It's cool to be around other people's kids, right? But ultimately, they're someone else's kid, right? And so... As a priest, this is a, a, a regular experience for me. Like, right, oh, this baby's so cute until it starts to cry. And then they hand, hand it off to someone else, right? Until it starts to stink. And then, yep, that way you can deal with all these things, right? Um, but the tenderness and the love that a parent really has for their child. I'm willing to die for this little person. I'm willing to, to suffer for this person. I'm willing to make sacrifices for this person. Joseph had that for Jesus. Lord, he, he had that for you. That's the love that he had for you, that love and that tenderness. And he could teach me to have that love. It was a way that was totally unique to him. But Jesus, do I love you? Do I, do I love you with that same tenderness? Right? Do, do I love you with that, that same affection that, that St. Joseph had? That is something that really we, we should... Consider, and we should ask, we should ask Saint Joseph to, to teach us, right? To to teach us how to, how to love you, in that way. There's a prayer before Mass. Um, it's particularly a prayer that that a priest would say before Mass, but all of us could pray it in some way, um, as we make our own offering, and not just before the Mass, but before. Um, before any kind of action, but particularly it's with regard to the Mass and priests. It goes, it's in the Little Red Prayer books, I believe, or at least the big version of them. O blessed Joseph, happy man, to whom it was given not only to see and to hear that God whom many kings longed to see and saw not, to hear and heard not, but also to carry him in your arms, to embrace him, to clothe him, to guard and to defend him, right? Oh, Joseph, it was given, all these things were given to you. You didn't just see him 
You didn't just hear him. Think of like Jesus growing up and Joseph being proud of him. Right? That's my boy. Right there, you know, you saw him, you heard him, but you carried him. You, you carried him in your arms. You embraced him. You, you clothed him. You took care of him. You guarded him. You defended him. Right? That's, that's your role. Pray for us, O blessed Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And there's this prayer again for before Mass. O God, who's given us a royal priesthood, we beseech thee that his blessed Joseph was found worthy to touch with his hands and to bear in his arms the only begotten Son, born of the Virgin Mary, so we may be made fit by cleanness of heart and blameless of life to minister at thy holy altar. May we this day be reverent with reverent devotion, partake of the sacred body and blood of your only begotten Son. And may we in the world to come be accounted worthy of to receive everlasting reward, right? We want to pray well, particularly in the sacrifice of the Mass. Jesus here present among us in the blessed sacrament, we want to love you with reverent devotion. Do I ever receive our Lord in the blessed sacrament or, or as a priest to handle our Lord in the blessed sacrament with anything less than that love and that tenderness and that devotion with which St. Joseph would have held the child Jesus and taken care of him. Jesus, you're truly present here among us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. St. Joseph was a great protector of your person, your body, your blood. Right? And how do we take care of you in the Blessed Sacrament? Do we treat you with, with reverence? Do we love you in that way? We can learn so many things from this, this father's heart. Um, Joseph has a real father's heart in his love for our Lord, and he could teach us that. Now, it's, at times, you know, we could say, oh, that's St. That's Joseph, right? Um, you know, and he's, he's called, he's a tremendous witness to the virtue of chastity, right? Living this chaste marriage with Our Lady. Um, but unfortunately, at times it's happened that St. Joseph was depicted as, as an old man. Um, our, our statue here in the church, he actually, he does look pretty young, um, relatively. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, other depictions of St. Joseph where he's an old, bald guy, big white beard, almost kind of like St. Peter looks in a lot of those pictures. Um, and St. Jose Maria Scriba writes in, in um, one of his meditations in the book In Dialogue with the Lord um, that he's, he's, a, he's an old man, right? Um, Behind that classical model depicting St. Joseph lies an age, uh, as age lies an idea, and a too human one, that it's not easy for a young person to be pure, right? It's not easy for a young person to live, that the only way Jesus could live, the only way Joseph could live purity, chastity, in his marriage to Our Lady was if he was already a you know, really, really old guy, um, and that's the only way it could happen. You know, and even all these responsibilities that he was given, Oh, that's, that's a job for the adults, right? That's a job, he's, he's got to be old because he's entrusted with a huge responsibility. But that's, that's not, I mean, it it's, doesn't say that St. Joseph was old anywhere. And it, um, he was probably only a few years older than Our Lady, right? And Our Lady was probably in her mid-teens at the latest. And so St. Joseph may have still been in his late teen, right? Think, a guy maybe 18 years old, maybe a little bit older, maybe even a little younger, who knows? 
like being charged with all this. When we think of St. Joseph, it's not, oh, here's some 40, 50, 60, 70-year-old, whatever. No, no, this is a young guy, maybe younger than most of us here, and charged with, um, with this responsibility. And from that, I think we can really learn that we're never too young to do great things in the service of God, right? It's never that, oh, it's, well, eventually, when I'm an adult, and I have my place in the church as an adult, then I can, then I can do things. No, we're never too young to give our heart entirely to God. We're never too long, young to be charged with, with great things. I, uh, I mean, think about it, right? Here's God himself who needs to be loved and cared for and protected and guarded. And world rulers are going to try to kill this little baby. And we're going to entrust him to a 17-year-old, right? Um, and it, today it sounds ridiculous, but that's because we've... we've Stop calling young people to greatness and to the greatness that they really can live. St. Joseph can teach us the, the greatness of, of being young uh, and to really um, to, to never consider that it's, we're too young to, to do good things in the service of the church. Absolutely not. Uh, even young people can live tremendous holiness and should. should live, the church needs that witness of the young living that holiness. And then St. Joseph is for us a model of contemplation and of faith. He teaches us um, real contemplation and real faith. Contemplation that everything that St. Joseph did, everything he did, he did personally out of love for Jesus and Mary, right? Every, Every single thing he did, he did out of personal love for Jesus and Mary. And so that teaches us how, how we should be acting, right? How all of our, our daily actions should be done out of love, right? Very specifically out of love. And it's the day-to-day stuff. Our contemplation happens right in the midst of, of everyday activities. St. Joseph's life was probably incredibly normal, in ordinary, I mean, except for being a, a refugee and fleeing to Egypt and the angels and everything like that, once they got back to Nazareth, it's probably very normal. So much so that when Jesus starts preaching, they're like, who's this guy? Where did he, this is our plumber, right? This is, a, this is our local craftsman. What's he doing getting up and preaching? He, that's, you know, we, we call him when, when we have a leaky roof. What is he doing saying he's the anointed one and the spirit of the Lord's upon him? Day followed day. Each brought the same unchanging round of alter, uh, the unchanging round of an alternation of work and prayer. Right? Joseph is just watching Jesus grow up and doing just these little things, following him just just one day at a time, with that with that tremendous contemplation. Everything he's doing, doing entirely out of love, right? Entirely out of love for Jesus and Mary, and just watching them. Just think how Joseph would have just watched. Just there he is at home. And there, there's, there's Jesus playing with something. Like, right, and there's Mary, and she's, she's playing with him. Maybe they're just playing together. And Joseph is just watching them. It's been a long day in the shop, and he's probably really tired. He's just watching them. And for us, as we maybe have had a long day today with all the different things going on, whatever we're doing, or we've had a long week, or we've had a long year, we can just watch. 
I just watch Jesus and Mary. I don't have to do anything. Definitely don't interrupt them. Right? No, we just watch them. And if we think, oh, I got to make a speech, that's what I have to do right now. Right? That's what they want. They're, this kid is playing. His mother's there playing with him. We're happy at home. I don't know about your families. I don't think we've ever made a single speech in my family. Right? Maybe at a wedding or something, someone has to get up and then they, they embarrass themselves because they're not good at making speeches. Right? Most of the time in family life, you don't make speeches. That happens in movies, not in real family life. And so um, why do we think in our family life with God that we've got to make big speeches? Oh, I've got to, make, I've got to say a prayer. Let me write a speech. No, just watch. Just watch Jesus and love him. As Joseph would just watched him and loved him. All of us can try to be very close to Jesus and Our Lady. We cannot be on intimate terms with our Lord and his mother, our blessed mother, unless we're also very familiar with the Holy Patriarch, who is head of the Holy Family too, right? He just contemplates them out of total love. All this brought to mind the simple, hidden life of Joseph, who does nothing but ordinary things. St. Joseph goes completely unnoticed, right? We, he's barely mentioned. But there he is, just watching. Watching with love. Watching, watching Jesus and Mary totally out of love. And then, and then he's a model of faith, right? Joseph, now you think about that, and there he is. He's watching. He's watching Jesus and Mary. But it's tremendously ordinary, Right? Father Lean says, Joseph never saw a miracle, never heard a word of teaching or the true power of the child of his holy spouse. During those years that dragged themselves out slowly for the expectation of Israel, he saw nothing that hinted even remotely at the realization of Israel's dreams or the fulfillment of the prophecies that he knew so well concerning the Messiah, right? Picture like Joseph, here we are. We're going to fly to Egypt. We're going to get there. We're, gonna run, we're running away. And you have God right there, and still you, you're the one who has to set up the tent, right? You're the one who has to, to pitch the tent. You got to go to the well and get water. You got to work to earn your way, right? They were probably earning their way, so he's doing work along the way to be able to buy food. Jesus never multiplied loaves and fish in the house because they ran out of something, right? No, they actually probably very much felt that, that reality of poverty. And what faith St. Joseph must have needed in that to, to live in the, in the midst of that, to live right there with God, and yet to, to never receive a single miracle, right? To never see that, to, to never see miracles, never to, to see healings. Um, it was a testing of his faith. Joseph's faith was submitted to a purification, like to which that any other saint was, nor could have been subjected, right? It was, he was, his faith was more tested because it was more ordinary. And maybe that could be the case for us, that it's in the ordinary, it's right here, it's every day, this is just, it's just Connecticut, right? And yeah, but God is working here. Like the God of the whole universe is working even here, even in Connecticut. And our faith could be tested in that way where it's just too ordinary, and we want to leave the ordinary. We want to go do extraordinary, crazy things. No, just stay right here in the ordinary. St. Joseph could teach us how to do that. To not, you know, uh, you wonder. Maybe at a certain point, would they have been like, all right, like, 
you gonna do something now, Jesus? Like what, what are we waiting for, right? 15, 16, 17 years old, 20, 22, 23. You gonna do something now. And no, we're waiting. We're just working. This is it. This is the plan of sanctification. This is God's plan, right? Even just the fact that God was born as a little baby. Um, this is it, right? God, God's plan. St. Joseph teaches us all these things. And when we come to you, Lord, particularly in the Blessed Sacrament, he gives us tremendous love for you. There's a line that prefigures um, what Joseph would become. And it's actually, we have it engraved on the key to the tabernacle. Iteyad Yosef, which comes from the book of Genesis, when there's a famine in the land and the people need food and Joseph, uh, the patriarch, or Joseph, the, um, yeah, the son of, the son of Jacob, who was sold into slavery, had stored up food because he'd seen in dreams that this would be happening. We hear uh, Pharaoh, you know, who had placed Joseph in charge of his court at that point, who's kind of the prime minister, um, said, Itead Yosef, go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you, right? That's actually, it's the same words, Pharaoh says the same words Mary says at the um, wedding feast of Cana, right? Do whatever he tells you, whatever he tells you, just do it. And that's what Pharaoh says about Joseph. Go to Joseph. You want bread? You need food? You need to be nourished? Particularly, Lord, we want to receive you in the Eucharist. And it's good every time we go to the tabernacle to be reminded, Joseph, go to Joseph. Whenever we have any kind of problem, right? You could go to dad. Well, go to Joseph, right? Joseph, I want to love you more, Jesus. Okay, go to Joseph. I want to love you. I don't feel like there's tenderness. There's no tenderness in my conversation with you. It's just, again, speeches. I don't know how to contemplate you. Things are getting too ordinary for me. Just go to Joseph. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. He, he's a model of contemplation. So, Lord, we ask you for this grace. Consider our mother, how much she loved St. Joseph, and how Joseph was, I heard someone call him, the luckiest man in the world, and particularly uh, a grace to die in the arms of Jesus and Mary right? The luckiest man in the world coming home to Jesus and Mary and loving them and ultimately dying in their arms. And so St. Joseph, um, pray for us. And Mary, teach us, um, show us, you know, how to, this great man that was in your life, uh, help us love him so that he can always lead us to your son, to love your son, to love you, Jesus, in the Eucharist with greater tenderness, love, and fidelity in the ordinary things. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.